call uh, to follow him. He's calling people to follow him. In fact, you know, the truth is this morning that God has always been trying to call people, has been calling people to come to him and follow him. I can remember when I was seven years old and living in Baronia, one particular day I had a bad day. I was uh, getting into trouble for all the wrong reasons. See, my brother had done things wrong and my mum and dad had blamed me for it. So I just copped all that my brother uh, should have copped. And I was feeling pretty down by about lunchtime. And then a little bit after that, my sister did something and my mum and dad again blamed me because uh, I was just the flavour of the day. And by a bit after lunch, I was feeling really down. So I decided, that's it. I'm running away. So I ran all the way up the backyard and behind our back shed. And I just sat there and I decided, I'm not moving. I'm not moving from this place. And I sort of sat there and throughout the afternoon, mum and dad came and they said, Jonathan, Jonathan. And I said, I'm not moving. I'm running away. You know, I just sat right where I was. And it started to get later on in the day and they kept calling. And then I started to smell like all oh, this beautiful food for tea coming through. I was hungry by this stage, but I determined, I made up my mind, I'm, I'm not, not responding. Uh, that's it. And then it started to get dark as well and I started to get cold and they kept calling, Jonathan, Jonathan. And I started to wonder how much you would have to go without food before you actually starved to death. <laughs> and I was thinking, maybe I'm in danger of dying out up here. You know, seven years old, you don't know much, things like that. And then as I started to freeze and shiver, I thought, maybe I might freeze to death out of here. And as they called and called, eventually, I gave in. I surrendered and I went walking back and had a nice warm meal and um, I didn't starve to death, uh, freeze to death. So that was good news. Mum and dad, they just kept calling and they kept calling me until I came home. And you know, the Bible says that God has continually be, been calling people. In, in Genesis uh, 12, God comes and he comes before Abram and he calls him. He says, you know, I'm wanting you to come and follow me. He, he says, leave your country your relatives, your father's house, and go to the land that I will show you. And I will make you the father of a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. See, God has always been calling people. And here he was calling Abram and he was calling him so that he, through Abram, he would be able to call a people out to himself, a whole nation, a whole family that would belong to him. God has been calling people to him for all time. Look what it says in Ephesians 5, 8. It says his unchanging plan, God's unchanging plan has been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. God has been forming a family and he's calling people just like my mum and dad called me back. Uh, he's calling people to himself like Abram. But that wasn't all. You know, in Exodus ch chapter 3, Moses was out in the wilderness and this burning bush, bush starts burning. And it's not getting consumed, it's just burning. And he must have been so amazed and surprised at what was happening. And the Bible says that when the Lord saw that 
uh, he had caught Moses' attention, God called to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. He wanted Moses to help him, the Bible says. He wanted Moses to help him and to respond to his call. And through Moses, he was going to help the children of Israel be freed from captivity in Egypt. And he was going to call again these people to himself, this nation, this family that would follow him and would love him and would respond to him. He was calling people. He's always been looking for new members to his family. God's been always looking for people. I wonder, have you heard him call you? Have you heard God calling you to be part of his family? Jesus told stories to explain what God is like. In Luke 15, he he talked about this shepherd and the shepherd had a hundred sheep and one went missing, just one. So what the shepherd did, he didn't think, hey, I've got 99 sheep. He, 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 uh, they'll be all right. What he did was he said, one sheep is important to me. And so this shepherd went looking everywhere for the sheep, calling, waiting, you know, looking night, uh, all through everywhere until he, he, the one sheep that was lost was found. And when it was found, he was completely wrapped and came back home rejoicing. And Jesus says, you know, God rejoices, heaven rejoices. When one lost sheep is found. Now what he was saying is, people matter to me and I want them to come home. Uh, He went on, Jesus went on again and he told about this woman who had 10 coins and she had lost one coin, had nine others, but she'd lost one. And that one was so important that she stopped everything she was doing. She lit lamps, she, she swept through the whole house until she finally found that one lost coin. When she did, she said, "Woo! I found that one coin that was lost. And what Jesus says is, you know, heaven rejoices when one lost sinner comes home, is found. Uh, God is calling, he's searching, he's looking for people who are, are far from him to come home. And sometimes when he calls, the call is dramatic. When you hear God calling and you realise that he's calling you, it happens dramatically. And you just know without a doubt it's obvious that he's calling you. Uh, This is what happened to Paul on the road to Damascus. He was walking along the road and all of a sudden this bright light came and it blinded him. He couldn't see and a voice said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul's whole life was changed around. He got a new name, Paul. And instead of persecuting the church, he started building the church and and helping give his whole life to being part of God's call. There was a jailer in Philippi and uh, he had Paul and Silas thrown in jail at night and he was sitting there at night and about 12 o'clock, Paul and Silas are just singing away. They're in jail and it's late at night and they're singing and they're singing praises to God. They're singing songs of praise to him. And the jailer's thinking, this is crazy. I've never heard anyone like this before. Then all of a sudden, the earthquake happens. The, the whole jail shakes and the doors fling open. And the jailer knows that he's in big trouble because if prisoners escape, he gets it. So he goes rushing down and he sees these prisoners with doors wide open and just staying in there, not leaving. And filled with 
here, the jailer, says, what must I do? And we're told that Paul preached the good news and shared the good news to the jailer and his whole family and they responded and they believed and they repented and they were baptised, the whole lot of them. Sometimes the call is dramatic and obvious. You know, the disciples were there and they were on the side of the uh, lake and, and Jesus came along and tapped them on the shoulder and he said, come follow me. Couldn't get any more obvious than that, can you? Jesus coming right up, tapping them on the shoulder and saying, come follow me. But sometimes the call, it comes through a kind of gradual realisation. It's not like a bang. It kind of slowly and gradually you start to realise who Jesus is and you understand that he's calling you. Like a woman at the well in the midst of the day. She's drawing water from the well and Jesus comes, a conversation starts and then before long she starts to realise this could be the Messiah who's talking to me. And then as the conversation continues on, she realises that he is the Messiah and she runs off and tells the whole, uh, whole village she comes to understand that he is the one. Or, or Lydia down by the river um, uh, when, when Paul uh, was, was talking in the Philippi and he met with them and they talked and they shared and they shared the gospel. And as she was a follower of God but didn't know about Jesus and his death and resurrection, as she started to understand who that was, she gradually came to a point then where she became a Christian. She put her trust in Jesus. She was baptised and came to know him. Now there are some people who hear God's call dramatically. Some hear it gradually and understand. And I don't know about you, maybe God has, has come up to you and said, here I am, I'm calling you. And it's been undeniable and so obvious and dramatic. But it might have been that for you it's just been an invitation or a conversation at work or something where you've met someone or you've read something or you've seen the heavens and the skies and you've just said there must be a God. But God is calling people and he's calling people to come and be part of his family. Has God called you? Is he calling you to follow him? Some ignore the calls get busier. Some people uh, just pretend they don't hear it, sort of like block their ears to the call. But some respond and their lives are changed forever. What about you? Well, one person who's responded to the call is going to come now and share her testimony with us is uh, Brooke Rudd. So why don't you give her a warm welcome as she comes. Thanks, Brooke. Good morning. I'm being baptised today because I know it is what God has called me to do. I believe that being baptised does not make me a Christian, but that it is an instruction from God, and if I am to listen to him and to follow him, then this is one step that I must take. I can't really tell you when I became a Christian, as Jonathan's just said, it's been much more gradual than that. Um, but like many others, I've had a long history of exposure to God's word. And sometimes I would read and listen intently. Other times I'd take more of a cursory glance. And many times I've closed the book. I think I've been born again about half a dozen times. 
making that commitment and trailing off. Um, but I had the wrong idea about what being Christian was. I'd, um, I'd slip up, I'd struggle and I'd sin, and then I'd decide that obviously that meant that I wasn't a Christian and I'd disappear off the radar. Sometime later, God would again pull me back and we'd go on. I had the silly idea that to be Christian meant to do no wrong and I also had the idea that you already had to know the Bible so you already really needed to know everything before you could um, claim to be, to be Christian. Um, well, I still can't quote from the Bible um, and I don't expect that will come terribly soon. I can see where the Lord has followed me around. I can see where he has led me and in times, uh, in times of past pain, I can see why and I believe I'm better for it. I know I am calmer when I keep God close to me and when I talk to him frequently. I'm more purposeful. I can handle stresses better. Um, I'm more thoughtful and less self-absorbed. So I think Jesus is the best self-help tool there is. So the call of God comes to people and uh, he's calling people to follow him. Do you know, um, Tuesday nights for our family is pizza night. Did you know how much you can get a pizza for in Wodonga on Tuesday nights? Five bucks you can get a pizza for. A large pizza. And there's a number of places you can get them from. We don't want to give free advertising today. But you can get them for five bucks in Wodonga. Now, I'm the pizza getter in our house, and Tuesday nights is pizza night for us. So I go down there, and we've got a bit of a ritual, me and this pizza shop. I always walk in, I'm, I'm not prepared, and they say, What's your name? Uh, I give my order, they say, What's your name? And I say, Jonathan, and they look at me like, uh, and I just say, John's fine, John. You know, so they write down John, and then I wait, and I wait for 20 minutes, you know, just sitting there, and uh, Every now and again, you know, it'll be getting close and I'll be thinking maybe they're a bit faster tonight and they'll bring a pizza across over to the cash register and in my mind I'll just be saying, Jonathan, Jonathan, please say Jonathan. And then it'll be Fred, you know, or someone else. And I'll be waiting, waiting, waiting. And I'll be getting, you know, in the pizza shop it smells beautiful and you're waiting and waiting. And when they finally do say, Jonathan, I just think, Woo! And I get up with my $5 and over we go. You know, one thing I've never observed in the whole time I've been waiting there is someone have their name called out and they've just said, we're not ready for the pizza yet. Could we'll just wait a few more minutes, you know? When people's names are called, they just grab that pizza and go, you know? No one waits. No one waits. And when you hear the call of God, uh, don't be one who waits. Don't be one who says, oh, I'll just wait a little bit longer or I won't respond. You know, be one of those people that respond wholeheartedly to God's call. You know, there are some people who clearly hear the call of God but don't respond. You know why I think it is sometimes? Sometimes people just fill their life with so much stuff that they never slow down long enough to ask eternal questions. Like, where am I going when I die? Like, why am I here in the first place? Like, 
if there is a God, how can I worship him? And how's he been speaking to me? Some people just fill their lives up so much that they never ask those questions. Then another thing that stops people responding when they hear the call is fear. Now they're afraid. If I get to know God more, if I open up more to his call, I might have less autonomy. I might not be my own king anymore. God might rule my life. I'd have to give up more. And they misunderstand that giving up your whole life to God is better. Even though you give up your own uh, right to do anything you like. Other people have just pure pride. Think, who is God to tell me anything? You know, they just say, I would, I'm not going to. And so many people, when they hear God's call, they don't respond at all. But look what happens in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit came powerfully on the believers and, and empowered them. And Peter got up and he preached and he spoke to the people there. They were looking at him and saying, are these people drunk? What's going on? They're so happy. What's, what's happening? And Peter got up and he, and he preached to them and God's spirit was powerfully at work and he shared the gospel with them. And at the end of his uh, message, it says in verse 37 of, of Acts chapter 2, when Peter's words, convicted them, uh, Peter's words convicted them deeply and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must turn from your sins and turn to God and be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ. So if you hear God's call and you respond, what should you do? Well, the first thing is believe. You know, believe. That's what you should do. And what should you believe? What are some of the things that are so important to believe? Well, believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus, that who he was. And, and, and the things that he said. What are some things that are important to believe about Jesus? Well, he said he was the son of God. And the fact that he's the son of God means that as he came to earth and as he died on the cross and as he was uh, taken off that cross dead and put into the ch- tomb, that the Bible says that on the cross he was taking upon himself the sins of the world. And, and when we believe in Jesus... We believe that God himself had come in the flesh and he was dying on the cross, taking upon himself the penalty, the punishment of all the sins that the world has committed and that you've committed and that I've committed. And that because he died and rose again, he's paid the price for my sin. I can put my trust in him and I can be forgiven because Jesus is who he said he was. You know, when... Um, I hear the call of God and I look, I have to say, who's Jesus? You know, when people were, uh, those first disciples, when they were uh, working and Jesus said, come follow me, a little bit later on, um, they sort of saw Jesus again and John the Baptist was with these, these guys and he saw Jesus walking along and right in the start of John's gospel, Uh, John the Baptist looks at Jesus and he points him and he says, there he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. As these guys looked and they saw Jesus and they heard that he was the one that could take away the sin of the world, they went and followed him 
rest of the chapters show that he, these disciples are following Jesus, believing that he's the one who's uh, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So they believed. They believed that he is the one that can take away their sins. So that means they believed in Jesus and that dealt with all their past, all the sins that they've ever committed, all the times they've lied, they've cheated, they've stole, they've hurt, they've done things. They could be all forgiven in Jesus Christ. They believed that. Second thing they believed is that their future was certain with Christ. That they, when they put their trust in Jesus, that he would give them eternal life so that after their death, they would continue to live forever. You know, uh, in uh, John's gospel again, in John 11, uh, one of Jesus' friends had passed away. He died. And they'd contacted him and said, Jesus, Lazarus is sick. But then he died before Jesus could get there. And four days later, he came and he arrived at the tomb. And the Bible says that it was so long since Lazarus had died that he stunk. He smelled because he'd been dead for that long. And then as he was approaching the house, uh, Mary and Martha, who were sisters of Lazarus, came. And what happened is um, as Martha came out, she said, oh, if you'd only been here, Jesus... He, he wouldn't have died. And he said, he's going to rise again. And she said, I know he's going to rise again sometime like at the end of the, you know, at the end of time, he's going to be raised or something like that. And Jesus said, no, hey, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though they die, yet they will live. He was saying to Martha, I'm the one who gives life. I'm the one you can have eternal life through. And then just a few little while later, Jesus stands before this tomb, this smelly tomb. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. And then out of the darkness, the dead man rises and walks. Why? Because at the words of Jesus, there's eternal life. Life that even conquers death. So you believe that Jesus has forgiven you of your sins when you put your trust in him. That for the whole of your future it's secured because you'll have eternal life forever when you put your trust in him. Not only the past and the future, but right now you believe that Jesus Christ, by believing in him, you can have the power to live today a life that's to the full. You know, Jesus, he said, I'm the bread of life. If anyone's hungry, you know, come and feed on me. And every day as we live, uh, feeding on Jesus, reading his word, learning about it, we're nourished by Jesus in our life. There's one time when Jesus was at a festival and he stood up right in front of everyone there. And he said this in John 7, 37 and 38. He said, hey, if you're thirsty, come to me. If you believe in me, come and drink. For the scriptures declare that rivers of living water will flow out from within. Now, Jesus here was talking about the spirit, the Holy Spirit that will flow out of those who believe in him. Now, if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, his spirit lives in you and his spirit empowers you and his spirit helps you live today so you can overcome sin so you can live victoriously so you can be a witness so you can help others and fulfill god's call
So he's, he, when he calls you, the first thing is to believe. Believe forgiveness of sin. Believe the future is secure. Believe that right now he's empowering you to live. So they believed. They believed. The second thing they did, um, he, you can see there Peter's words convicted them deeply. They believed. The second thing they did was they actually turned around. See, Peter replied, each of you must turn from your sins and turn to God. This, this whole idea of turning around, the Bible uses a, w- a word to, to uh, describe that called repent, repenting. So it's turning away from your sin and you might be living this way and sinning and, and uh, you know, anger, hatred, lying, cheating, you know, lustful thoughts, all those things, all the things that are going on. Living your own way, doing your own thing, ignoring God. And repentance means to actually spin right around, turn from it, turn from the sin. But not only turn from the sin, it's not just about stopping doing bad things. You know, the, that would make it a faith that's kind of all based on rules and what you don't do. But sure, you turn your back completely on sin and stop doing it. But instead, you live for God. You turn to God. You turn from sin and to God. And both of those things happen in repentance. So instead of being someone who's angry and hating people, you become someone who's peace-loving and loving people. Instead of Lying, you become a truth teller. Instead of becoming someone who steals, you give. Your whole life is turned around. And so they repented. The reason you can do this is because the Holy Spirit lives in those who believe. There's a transformation, a turnaround. So not only did they believe, they turned around. And the final thing they did as a response was they were baptized. They made a public declaration of what they'd done within themselves, what they believed and that they'd turned around. Now they publicly demonstrated that through being baptised. You know, um, this happened when the Philippian jailer believed. This happened when Lydia believed. The Ethiopian eunuch, when he believed, they were baptised as a public declaration of the faith that had happened within them. And that's what these guys are doing today. Jesus wanted them to make a public declaration, to say, I don't care who knows, but I'm standing for Jesus. I don't care who sees I'm standing for Jesus. You know, in those days, it would have been big rivers or lakes and people walking by would have said, oh, there's Joe Blow getting baptised. Wow, he's a follower of Jesus. You know, and people would have just seen it happening all around. It was a big public stand saying, I'm being baptised. And what they were saying is that as I'm going down into the water, I'm dying to myself. I'm dying to the old way, to this way. I'm turning. I'm dying from that way. And I'm rising up again, turning to God, living this new life. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Baptism is symbolising dying to self and rising to Christ. And that's what you'll be doing, guys. Symbolising that. I'm living for you, Jesus. You know, today Jesus is still calling people And he's still calling people to believe in him, to turn and to be baptised. Jesus is seeking people who will make him Lord of their life. I wonder, will you make a public stand by being baptised? Maybe Jesus is speaking to you. 
Well, he's been speaking to Tamara and she's going to come now and share her testimony. Let's give her a round of applause. Um, well, my name's Tamara and I'm 17 years old and I'm currently studying Year 11 and I'm living in a foster home situation at the moment due to circumstances that were not in my control. At around the age of 15 I came to a traumatic time in my life where there just didn't seem to be any sense and I had no idea what I was doing in this crazy world. My way of expressing my confusion and pain was to bring the pain that I felt inside my heart to the outside. When I decided to do this, I began to self-mutilate by cutting. Sometimes the cuts would get so bad that I would never imagine them healing. At the beginning of 2004, a lady by the name of Faye Harneman had enrolled three of her children at the school I was attending. When Faye would drop the kids off at school, Faye, regardless of the consequences, always got out to talk to us kids. Faye and I became really good friends, and when I realised that the cutting was getting worse from living with my mother and my sister, I went to Faye's, and she said that I could come and stay with her and her family for as long as I needed. I had learnt about God, but never practised what I had been taught, as I didn't see the significance as I was hurting so much, but never felt him to be with me. Faye and I became really close, and she now sees me as a daughter, as I see her as a mother figure. Faye started talking about God in this really great church that she attended. She eventually got me to come along to church, and I loved it. My next present was getting a teen Bible. It was an awesome day as I could now start my personal relationship with God. Even after I moved out of Faye's, I continued to see her and read my Bible to strengthen my faith and attend church as regularly as I could. I believe that I first became a Christian when I started moving from place to place, feeling like I didn't belong anywhere. God then started putting other people that attended this wonderful church in my life. For example, I ended up living at the Wodonga Refuge, only to meet another wonderful God-filled woman called Avril Peel. I even started talking to my mother again, as she now lives in Warrnambool. She is now one amazing woman in my life. I spoke to Faye and she said that she believed that not only God was calling me for his purpose, but that he was finally becoming real to me. I believe that I was meant to meet both of these beautiful ladies, but ultimately it was Faye who helped, me lead, who helped lead me back to our Lord and Saviour. I have now fully committed my life to God and I will try with all my faith not to stray. I'm not perfect, but I have someone beside me, the Lord. He has his hand on my shoulder, leading and guiding me to my future as he led me from my past. Thanks so much, Tamara. Now I think you're going to just go out and great. In just a moment, we're going to witness their baptisms. Do you know the baptism is um, coming to this point? We're responding to the call and being baptised is not the end. You know, this is not the end for these guys today. It's really just the beginning. You see, um, Jesus wants us to be his disciples. Uh, he wants us to be people that w people will look at us and see Jesus. He wants us to be his witnesses. Those who will live our lives totally devoted to Jesus in every way so that when people get to know us, they get to know who Jesus is. They get to see what he's like. That our lives would be lived every day showing people what Jesus is like. Baptism isn't the end. It's really just the beginning. 
God's looking for people. He's looking for people who won't turn their back on him when things get tough. God's looking for people who would put Jesus first before everything else in life. And he's looking for people who would be willing not only to live for him, but if needed, to actually die for him. You know what it says in Luke 14 and verse 27? It says, you cannot be my disciple if you don't carry your own cross and follow me. Do you know, um, carrying your own cross in Palestine meant that you were a dead man walking. In those days, if you were about to die by crucifixion, you were given your own cross that you would die on and you would have to carry it to the place where you were going to be nailed to it and die. As you walk through the streets, people would look and they'd say, there's another one going to die. And Jesus takes this image of what it would be like to be a follower of Christ. So he's not saying, I just want people who uh, don't do bad things and be nice people. You know, he's just not looking for people that will, um, you know, not spit, not chew or go with girls who do. You know, have you heard that saying? Like we're not just looking for people who will be nice people. Obviously, Christians should be nice people, but that's not the goal. He's wanting people that would be willing to follow Christ as Lord of all and even value their commitment to Christ more than their own life so that if they were had to die, they'd be willing to die, that they'd take up their cross every day and say, I've died to myself. I'm living for Jesus. I'm a dead man walking. I've died to myself, but Christ is alive in me. That's who he's looking for. He's looking for people that would be so committed to him that they would value living for him more than their own life. You know, I've been just so deeply, deeply moved this week as I've read some terrible stories from our paper about people who got to points in their lives where they took their own life. And it's a tragedy to see that those that God thinks are so precious enough to keep looking and looking for would end up, instead of finding him, take their own life. I read about a uh, guy this week in America. Um, they were in a, him and his wife were in a Miami hotel and uh, they were there for their anniversary, uh, the 10-year anniversary. Their marriage wasn't going so well. Uh, they were on the 15th floor balcony and he was a, he was a, a, a doctor, a cancer doctor. And they had their two children, an eight-year-old boy and a four-year-old boy as well. And an argument occurred and the father grabbed the eight-year-old boy and the four-year-old boy and threw them over the balcony. And then as the wife heard the screams of one of the boys, he jumped over himself and all three uh, died. It just breaks my heart to think of Uh, the mindless um, waste of life. Then I read a little bit later on this week about some 13-year-old girls in Vietnam and they'd got in trouble from their parents and the five 13-year-old girls 
bound their wrists together with a cord and jumped into this, to a river, all committed suicide. I just think of God just looking for each one like a shepherd, longing for the lamb that he loved and longing to bring them home. And yet their, ends, their lives end in such a tragedy. You know, I think Jesus is wanting you to lose your life by giving it to him. And he promises that when you do that, you'll have life to the full. Life to the complete full, where you'd be able to know that you could even face death, even though you may not want it to happen, knowing that Christ is with you. And these people, their life had become so painful to them that they took their own life. But when I see people that are followers of Christ, they love their life dearly and are willing to even face death knowing that God is with them. You know, I saw a difference this week uh, when Kathy Kennedy faced the operation. Um, it's a dangerous operation. And uh, she left the, where they were staying confident and sensing the peace of God as she went to the operation. You know, and she was praying like mad that God would heal her. She was praying that God would bring her through this. But, you know, I remember her saying to me in the weeks prior, she said, but you know what, Jonathan? I, uh, she said, I know, I, I know it could end in this, you know, might not work out the way we planned. She said, but God is mighty. If he's healed, if he heals me and I get through it, God is mighty. If I die, God is mighty. I can face even things like that, knowing the best place that I possibly am is in God's care, in God's hands. You're a follower of Christ. You can face tough situations if your trust is in him and he's above all. Jesus is looking for followers, God's calling to himself a family. Is he calling you? Is he calling you to respond to him? As we're just about to witness these two uh, ladies being baptised, let's pray, shall we? <coughs> God, we want to thank you that you are calling people. I want to thank you for Brooke and for Tamara. Thank you for calling them to follow you. God, thank you for calling us. God, we pray that we would be those that would be willing to live for you and if need be, to die for you. God, as we witness these baptisms, we say yes to you. No matter where you lead, overseas, mission, no matter where you lead, in our workplace, wherever we go, we want to live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to witness these baptisms and while we do, let's reflect on these great song that Abe's going to bring to us.